You are listening to episode eight of Daughters on Fire. Today, we have back Robin Arab with the Is It Normal segment, and we're going to be talking about the Zoom effect, which is a term that is coined in this episode and may catch on like wildfire. What we're, what we're talking about is how our loved ones can act perfectly normal when we're in front of healthcare providers or family members or other people that really need to see behind the curtain about what's really going on. But nope, in those moments, they act just fine, just like we do when we're on Zoom and we're on in front of everybody else. So stay tuned for this very entertaining and educational segment. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, welcome back, everyone. I am here with Robin again for another segment of Visit Normal. How are you doing, Robin? I am doing okay. It's yeah. uh, day what of isolation and yeah. uh, quarantine, but uh, it's good to see your face and it's good to be here. Yeah, my face it, when it's not frozen on Zoom, right? <laughs> Yeah, so like the question, I don't know if everybody else is feeling this, but the question of how you doing, how you doing is very loaded these days because I don't know that anybody is just like, hey, I'm fine. Let's just roll on and have our niceties. Life is not like that right now. You know, I think my text messages out to my friends are, how you making it? It's not even how are you? How are you making it through? How you doing? And kind of checking in to see what everybody's doing. Um and I think everybody is doing what they have to do, mm-hmm. and they they walk that walk. But uh, I did see something funny the other day on, um, somebody sent me something, and it said, uh, so have you adapted to the outfits for staying at home? <laughs> I think I know where you're going with did this. Did you see but... that? So it was, you know, the pajama pants, the, the big sweater the baggy shirts, the slippers, and um, not combed hair, no makeup. And, of course, everybody in the group's like, yep, yep, that's me. And there was one that said, nope, I'm still getting dressed. I'm still doing, doing <laughs> what I need to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's so funny is, you know, we, for those of us working from home or still on Zoom professional calls or facilitating meetings online, um, you look great from like the the chest up, right? So <laughs> you ha- you can do your hair, um, and it doesn't even it could be all messy in the back, but as long as it's brushed in the front and you get your makeup on, and it doesn't matter if you're wearing your polka dot pants and uh, mismatched slippers and <laughs> and there's chaos in front of you. Uh, as long as whatever you know you see in this little box looks just right then if we present that way what's really going on doesn't really matter (laughs) that's very interesting that's actually something that I wanted to talk about today is uh, is it normal when the person that I'm caring for can talk and have a conversation and 
whomever they're speaking with, they don't even realize anything's wrong with them. When you know yourself how the disease has affected them, and it's so interesting, and it is normal, just, just exactly like you explained. You look really good right here, but the whole world around you is probably chaos. Yep. You know what? I think we should coin a new phrase, a new term. It's going to be called the Zoom effect. So, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the Zoom effect. When you are in that um, doctor's office with your mom and you know that everything is, is falling apart, but, but she looks fine and she's able to answer every single question that the doctor has in that moment and, 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 and ask him about his children and remember their names. And you're like, what is going on? Just think, Zoom effect. The Zoom effect is going on right now. That little box of information in this little isolated silo is is perfect. But what's going on underneath the surface is not showing up. And that can be exasperating. Absolutely. Um, last week, a friend of mine was over and her mom, I've talked about before, has dementia. She's in a facility and uh, she called and... They had, she put it on speakerphone, had a terrific conversation. She remembered that where my daughter is living and what she's up to. She remembered my name, my husband's name. She went through the whole list, um, asked her about her great-grandchildren and everything. It was unreal. I mean, my mouth was just hanging open. Couldn't believe it. Not even 12 hours later, she is on the phone with her daughter, and she has gotten a hold of something that now she's obsessing about. Mm-hmm. And obsessing and obs- and just hateful, totally turned around. And uh, my friend and I talked about how so many times they have these triggers. And I, I'm kind of going off, off key here a little bit. But the trigger of what sets them off. And they will obsess maybe for a day, maybe for two hours, maybe for 30 minutes but they cannot get it off and they stay on that. And so that's where redirection comes in. But even sometimes redirection doesn't help. But um, it's like a loop. They get yes, stuck in a, it is a, a loop. loop. And, and my friend kept trying to reason with her. And I finally, she had her on speakerphone. And so I'm feeding her this dialogue in the background saying, say this, say, okay, say, all right. Well, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, mom was stuck on it. And she mm-hmm. went on and on till finally, I just said, the next time she calls back right now, just don't answer. Mm-hmm. She never did call back. And mm-hmm. that evening, she was back to her sweet self. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, made me remember a little bit about my mom and what her trigger was, is, um, well, driving was one. Mm-hmm. And then I did take over her business, her her finances, her banking and such, which she would say, that's just fine. That's great. Well, when her friend, now keep in mind, folks, her friend was blind and could not hear. He <laughs> wasn't totally blind, but he mm-hmm. needed magnifying glasses, would look at her bank statement and say, well, I didn't see your direct deposit. So she oh. would call and she would start, well, thank you. He had no clue. First mm-hmm. of all, because he couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And so it would go on and on and on. And that could last for several hours. But I always, I at the end, I started saying, who's there? Who have you talked to? What mm-hmm. happened? Because I knew something had triggered it off. Because they don't just sit there and all of a sudden come up with these things. So there typically is a trigger. Yeah. 
There's triggers and there's holes. And, and I just was thinking about the, the, the game shoots and ladders. Like this disease is kind of like, you know, it, it's, you're living your normal life, but then there's holes in what you can and cannot do. Now, it doesn't mean it's not a gradual fade. It's it's like holes. So, you know, one moment you're you're perfectly fine, you're on solid footing, and then the next you fell into a hole and, and everything is lost. And this information just doesn't exist there anymore. It's like your brain is Swiss cheese and there are just they, there are parts that are missing, and I know that's not scientific, um, but I hope it paints a picture that uh, as to why some things feel real, feel solid, feel um, reliable in the moment, and then the very next moment, it's you're not there. You literally have like fallen off into a hole, and then the triggers again are those loops that it's like a an emotion has been triggered. And your automatic thought has just is now like on repeat, 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 repeat. Almost like there's a there's a glitch and or a skip in the record, right? And right. Just keeps going over and over and over and over and over again. So this disease has these these holes and triggers in it, and it's and you've got to know you've got to have kind of your tool belt of how to deal with them. But just like you said, when some of the the triggers it's it's almost like it just needs to be shut down and that's where medications like if they're in an environment where they have prn which um if those of you don't know what prn stands for in the medical world it's an as needed so it means that if somebody has been prescribed a medication usually something like a nice little sedative on an as needed basis if they are in these trigger moments, these loops, these glitches, and it's just the perseverating over and over and over again, and you can't get anywhere with them, sometimes it's time for a nap, people. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's it, and it's not something that you want to go to over and over and over again and use it kind of to manage your day to day life because um, one sedation medications can increase fall risks you know and they can if they're used on an ongoing routine basis actually have contraindications and and start to work against what you're trying to accomplish so i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole maybe someday we can we can have on here a guest that can speak um more in depth about medications medication management because it's it's um it's kind of a world of its own and, and use needs expertise of its own. But what I'm saying is that those are great moments where your tools can come in, in handy, like medication. What else do you think in those trigger moments would be a good tool? I'm laughing because I, I do have to tell on myself. It's, it's quite funny. Um, and, and I by no means do this. This was purely uh, desperation. Do not do. This is my disclaimer. Do not do what I do. Do what I say. <laughs> but um, when we had told my mom that it was time that she had to move out of her home and go into a facility, she was wound up. And we had not, we had yet to get the medication. And we had called and requested it, but it hadn't come through. So um, I have Meniere's disease and have been prescribed Xanax. So my sister and I thought, we've got to do something. So we took half of a pill and stuck it in my mom's tea. She always liked to drink tea. 
So my sister was in the kitchen packing up. I was in the living room doing something else. My mom would go in and just tear my sister to shreds. And then she'd come into the living room and she'd come and tear me to shreds. And we just kept saying, mom, where's your tea? Mom, have another <laughs> sip of that tea. Get that tea going. So then, and that night she said, I really slept good last night. <laughs> of course, my sister and I were thinking we did too, but don't recommend that. But it was just a tool I had on hand, but always redirection and never argue. That was the biggest thing. And never mm-hmm. explain because they don't get it and they're not going to listen to you. And right. so it's like that's you play imaginary world with them, orient to their reality, not yours. And that's hard to do, but, but that, that's big. But one of the tools as far in the doctor's office, I learned that I would go in and I would place myself where I could see the doctor, but behind my mom. So they could not see me. So Mm -hmm. when she would answer questions, the doctor just automatically would look back to me for confirmation. And you'd like be shaking your head like, no. And you know, the funny thing is talking about being in the moment, my mom had, um, sciatica and so she had lots of back pain well she would complain about it you could see her make faces you knew she was in pain and we'd get to the doctor's office and I kind of had my list of what we're going to talk about and she gets through the whole thing the doctor says how are you I'm great I'm doing fine yeah I'm doing really good Um, any pain no I don't have any pain and of course my mouth drops open and I say well what about your back well it doesn't hurt right now so right. They live in that world of what it is right now. Right. And that's where if you don't have somebody in there advocating for your loved one, the doctors just get this pretty picture of, oh, yay, it's great. And that back to conversations that we've talked about before, your personal care physician, your primary practice may not always be the one to give you answers that you need to to step up to a neurologist or a geri psychologist because your primary care physician isn't equipped to deal with things that the specialist can deal with. So um, her doctor was very good and would take my cues, but had I not been there, I guarantee you she would have walked out just like she walked in. Nothing changed. No medicines would have been requested or anything of that nature because they are able to do that. And I think not only at the doctor's office, I see folks um, at the grocery store, at church, at different social activities that um, they act like they know what they're doing and everybody thinks they're just fine. And it can be for a short period of time and then it, it goes away. And I, I think we had talked about in another um, interview about a family. I've seen a lot when um, the men get together or the women get together and they're playing games and the rules begin to fail or mm-hmm. keeping track begins to fail. And that seems to be a notice. I know um, mom had a friend that we knew she had dementia when they'd all go to lunch and she couldn't figure out her bill, mm-hmm. couldn't make change, couldn't, didn't understand how to leave a tip, would lay down a $100 bill oh, for, wow. you know, $10. Right. So stuff like that yeah. that we have to watch for as well because when we think they're doing okay, they're really not. 
You know, going back to the doctor's office environment, um, I have attended lots of appointments with uh, clients in these settings and I'm always very mindful to be respectful to the client and like you said get the information out that needs to be told and one piece of advice I can give to family members is don't always include that person in the conversation don't talk over them don't have like this conversation back and forth with the doctor and like ignore them like they're they're not there and what that can look like um, is if you go in and the doctor asks you what's wrong redirect it back to your loved one mom or whoever you're there with dad um do you want to tell them what's wrong and if they say everything's fine then be like uh well remember you were telling me the other day about how you felt like blah 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 you know you said that your pain was really bad and so you were concerned and you wanted to bring it up with the doctor it's almost like saying we had this conversation and i'm talking to you about this conversation, I'm not talking to the doctor. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking over you. Um, and then they'd be like, yeah, um, yeah, I did want to bring that up. Or, um, and then an- another issue with the, with the doctors, and you brought up um, the Jerry psychologists and the Jerry psychiatrists out there, is maybe bring in documentation, um, like a note to tell them on the front end. Um, and sometimes I know a, a great psychiatrist, geriatric psychiatrist in our community um, that will actually talk to the family separately. And the way he does that without it looking like really offensive is that he'll have the, um, the patient go with the nurse to get the vital medications, like the, the, the vitals. Mm-hmm. while then he's talking to the family separately. So tag teaming and like you said, sitting behind them, engaging them. And let's like, let's talk about what you were telling me the other day so that mm-hmm. the doctor sees a full picture. Because then if, if you're like, remember we talked about this and you're pretty detailed in it. And then this person is like, no, no, that didn't happen. Well, that's also information that the doctor needs to see. Right. You know, that, that all of a sudden they don't recall that something was happening, you know, last week that was, you know, causing them such strife. So these are delicate little um, techniques that can benefit you in huge ways and not alienate you and not alienate the person that you love, that you want them to get the care that they need. But, um, but yeah, so that's definitely some tips and like you said it's not easy to manage their social life and what people see and what people don't see there's a type of grief called disenfranchised grief um and i would almost add to that disenfranchised caregiving where the people that are kind of in and out of the lives of our loved ones but not like they're seeing the behind the scenes um don't believe what's going on and so they really think you're overreacting. They think that uh, you're trying to make things harder than they need to be. And that's where this disenfranchised grief comes in, where it's like where you almost want to see them to experience some big failure so that finally they could be like, oh, yeah, I got bad. Um, right. I'm seeing what you're seeing now. Right. Uh, it, it, nobody wants things to get to that point where it's so bad nobody can deny it. But a caregiver who has been living alone on this journey and nobody believes them feels a lot of validation when that point in time comes. Right. Often um, when we work with families and it may be a spouse saying, um, 
you know, my children don't get it or my children give me this advice or it could be a sister, or, you know, a sibling situation. And I always say, well, let them have them for a weekend mm-hmm. or let them visit for a week. And it is a huge turnaround after they've spent that time. It's a huge new respect of what they do day in and day out. And so, um, and you that may does. not always get them to come right out and admit it. It may right. just be oh, yeah. that they become quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> hmm, they're not telling me what to do so much anymore. That's what right. are going on? <laughs> she might send them back. <laughs> right. They aren't calling as much. They're distancing, which that does happen too. When people do start seeing the red flags and stuff, it may scare them. And if they are the friends that are are not kind of in that core, that are not going to step up, they may fade away. Like, ooh, this is this is scary. Um, I don't know if I can handle it. And we've talked about that too, about uh, the impact on friendships. So yes, it is normal. That mm-hmm. they can pull it out. How long they can do it for, we don't know. And we don't know, even know why, except as you explained so nicely with our Swiss cheese, <clears throat> there's just <laughs> platforms and holes. And, and that's what, what seems to happen. And um, I don't know if it's something that's just learned that you know when you go to a doctor or you meet somebody, it's still, it hasn't gone through that filter yet, but you're still able to be polite, be cordial say what you need to say and move on. Well, it's like you're on stage. I think we all know that when we're home and we get tired and the days drag on that you're, you're not firing as best as you can, you know, you get, so those are probably times when the disease shows itself more often than not. In fact, there's not a lot of scientific evidence as to exactly what sundowning is, but some people speculate that sundowners has to do with, hey, you've been up and going all day long, and now this is dawn, the change of the, you know, the light and more hustle and bustle and eating, and so you're off, you know, you're you're worn down. If you go to an appointment at 10 a.m. in the morning and you got dressed up and, and you know that you're performing, that you're on, you're on stage, then you're you're using all of your brain power right there in that moment to be the best you can be. Right. As a matter of fact, that's how I schedule appointments. As Is your mother more clear in the morning or the afternoon? Because there's some folks that like to sleep late. Mm-hmm. So noon might be the time to see them. But there's well, other okay, people so, who get up early and start. Okay, well, let me ask you, how do you advise them if, because on one hand, if you say it's easier to get them to an appointment at 10 a.m., but then they may not get the full picture of what's going on, take them at three when everything is falling to pieces so that the doctor really <laughs> sees what's going on. Well, that's twofold because... In the morning, it's probably easier to get that person to agree to get in the car and go. Uh-huh. In the afternoon, not so much. But I do tend to say, you want to show what's going on on their worst day, not mm-hmm. their best day. Yeah. So you have to kind of weigh out which way you're going. Um, hey, we're going to go out to lunch and then go to the doctor. You, know, you may not say the doctor, but that, that's the plan. Let's go out and go to lunch. So it is the afternoon. It's a little further down the road. Um but of course, most people are much clearer right after they wake up. And that just depends when that is. I'm wondering if, you know, there's going to be before COVID-19 and after COVID-19, if one of the benefits 
to what is happening right now to all of us is that the shift to telemedicine, if we could, for doctors and stuff, we could say, like, have an emergency telehealth conference in the middle of a meltdown crisis in the home, saying, look, this is what's going on in the moment. So I don't have to wait till tomorrow when everything is better, pack them up or wait another week or two, pack them all up and get them to the doctor's office and try to explain what was going on. If more doctors are going to be accessible through telehealth for dementia patients, um, for the elderly who are frail and incapacitated and can't get out, if medicine and doctors are going to become more accessible to them where they are versus having to go to them. Because I do know... um, Jody Jackson, who's a registered nurse, came on um, a couple episodes ago, and she was saying that that's being heavily utilized right now as an alternative. So I'll be interested to see what that happened. How that that is interesting, us. and that would be that would be so helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, video right here, even if it's just videoing and then being able to share it on the next conference or however you do that. That's that is a really good point. I like that, and, and I do know. I think I saw some doctors were doing home visits, but that's not really safe for mm-hmm. patients as well. So telehealth is going to be the way, and and I agree, it will be interesting to see how it all pans out. And then, are we all ever going to put back our real pants? Or are we just no. going to wear our polka dotted pajamas forever and ever? <laughs> well, we will. Right, right now, I'm wearing jeans with holes in the knees, and um, I am really comfortable. <laughs> Well, I've got pajama pants on, so there you go. <laughs> and slippers. <laughs> but we look so great from we the little from box here. on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so more to come on um, life uh, on this journey. <laughs> We'll explore more things like the Zoom effect and holes in Swiss cheese <laughs> and all sorts of... <laughs> I'll need like a vocabulary. That's right. For- new concepts new definitions please check our definitions page (laughs) or (laughs) hey this is interactive if you all have amazing uh terms and insight and experience check on or check on well that's not really what i'm trying to say go to our facebook page jump on there and tell us about your experiences because we want to hear from you Um, We all have something to teach each other and something to learn. So let's do it together. So anything else, Robin? That's it. Everybody stay safe and healthy and dress comfortably. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.